48K News. It's 11 o'clock on Benche, the top stories. Thousands of people in Jordan take compulsory COVID tests after the government locked down the neighborhood for 48 hours. Health authorities report another 81 COVID cases as Hong Kong's tally passes the 10,000 mark. And thousands march in cities across Russia in support of jailed opposition leader Alexei Navalny. Thousands of Jordan residents have been taking compulsory COVID-19 tests after the government set up a restricted zone in part of the Kowloon district and imposed a 48-hour lockdown. It's the first time the government has closed off a block of streets and forced everyone in the area to get tested. Priscilla reports. Police officers in protective gear began sealing off roads at around 4 a.m. after the government declared a restricted area running east to west from Musung Street to Battery Street and north to south from Kansu Street to Nanking Street. Jordan is at the center of a coronavirus outbreak with over 160 cases in more than 50 buildings since the beginning of the month. It features many old buildings, often with subdivided flats and damaged sewage pipes. Once tested, residents were given a wristband and a bag of supplies, including cup noodles, canned food, bread and face masks. They then had to return home immediately. The aim is to test 10,000 people before midnight. Chief Executive Carrie Lam has inspected the Jordan-restricted zone. She defended the partial lockdown there, saying 90% of wastewater samples had tested positive for COVID. She said restrictions would only be in place until testing had been completed. What we are doing is not what people see in other places as a lockdown. Because a lockdown normally means that uh, you are not allowed to go out for a uh, period. But in our case, this uh, prohibition is linked to the test. So it is for the purpose of the compulsory testing. So once the compulsory testing for the entire area has been completed, then um, the order will be lifted and people will be allowed to go out. Meanwhile, there have been calls for subsidies for residents of the restricted area. FTU lawmaker Luk Chong-hung suggested $500 to $1,000 a day for those who can't get to work. Liberal Party lawmaker Shou Ka-fai said he hoped employers would not dock workers' pay. Health officials reported 81 new COVID cases today, pushing Hong Kong's tally to over 10,000. All but three of the new cases were local, with nearly half from an unknown source. Dr. Chuan Shokwan from the Center for Health Protection says the testing in Jordan will keep new case numbers high. We are expecting the daily number of cases uh, is getting at least um, more and more in this, this coming few days because of the enhanced testing in the restricted area and also the, uh, there are still quite significant transmission in the community. About 70 people have also tested preliminary positive. Residents in Wuhan have been marking the first anniversary of the coronavirus lockdown, which saw the mainland city sealed off for more than two months. Here is the BBC's Stephen McDonnell. A year ago today, the regional capital Wuhan was shut down as 11 million people were confined to their homes. The lockdown was then imposed throughout Hubei, meaning 60 million residents couldn't leave and others couldn't enter. 
The authorities have been criticised for the slow response at the beginning, even punishing whistleblowers trying to sound a warning in early January. But soon the government was flying in plane loads of military medics and building huge temporary isolation facilities to ease the load for local hospitals. In recent months, China seems to have worked out a way to control outbreaks as they come, with strict localised lockdowns, contact tracing apps and mass testing. Thousands of people in Russia are taking part in demonstrations across the country in support of the jailed Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny. Riot police are out in big numbers in Moscow, detaining demonstrators in Pushkin Square. Groups of policemen pulled about a hundred people, mostly young men, out of the crowd of several thousand. The BBC's Sarah Rainsford is there. The main thing I've heard people shouting so far is freedom, freedom for Alexei Navalny, who for the first time is actually facing a, a long prison sentence. He's been detained by police before. He spent many days in police custody, but he's never been in prison until now. And that looks like a very real prospect. So his supporters have been pouring out onto the streets right across the country. And as I say, they're gathering here in pretty significant numbers in the center of Moscow today, which is the main protest here in Russia. Demonstrations in support of Mr. Navalny have also been held in the Baltic states of Lithuania and Estonia. RTHK, the time is now five minutes past 11. Doctors in Britain have expressed concern at the government's current policy of allowing an interval of up to 12 weeks between the first and second doses of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID vaccine. In a letter to the government's chief medical advisor, the British Medical Association called for an urgent review of the strategy. They said Britain was becoming increasingly isolated from the practice in many other countries. Paul Hunter is a professor of medicine at the University of East Anglia. He believes it's worth persevering with the longer interval between jabs. It won't be long before we will have that type of data for ourselves in the UK. And I think waiting for that isn't going to pose a huge extra burden and may well reduce the cases and deaths until we actually get that data. So I totally support the decision to extend the gap between doses. I think looking at the evidence in total, I think that is strongly supportive of that. Sri Lanka's health minister, Pavithra Waniarachi, has tested positive for the coronavirus weeks after publicly consuming a so-called Miracle potion, which was meant to offer lifelong protection. The BBC's Joe McGivering has a story. The Sri Lankan shaman who invented the potion said the recipe was given to him in a visionary dream. He claims the magical formula, which includes honey and nutmeg, offers lifelong immunity from the coronavirus and also cures it. There was criticism when government officials, including Miss Waniarachi, appeared on television, taking the potion and appearing to endorse it. Hundreds of bottles have since been sold. Sri Lanka is battling a second wave of new infections. It's just approved the vaccine developed by AstraZeneca and Oxford and expects to receive the first doses in a few days. President Biden has spoken with his counterparts in Canada and Mexico in his first conversations with world leaders since his inauguration. The office of Canada's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said the two leaders plan to meet next month after agreeing to join forces to fight COVID-19 in North America. The BBC's Peter Bowes reports on Mr. Biden's call with the Mexican president. 
In a brief post on Twitter, President López Obrador said his call with Joe Biden was pleasant and respectful. They discussed the coronavirus pandemic as well as migration and cooperation on development. The populist leader, who developed a rapport with former President Trump, indicated that relations between Mexico and the United States with Mr Biden in the White House would be good and to the benefit of both nations. America's southern neighbour has an important role to play in the new US president's plans for immigration reform. Democratic leaders in the U.S. Congress have said the articles of impeachment against former President Donald Trump will be delivered to the Senate on Monday. However, the Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has said the trial will not begin until the second week of February. Once the briefs are drafted, presentation by the parties will commence the week of February the 8th. The January 6th insurrection at the Capitol, incited by Donald J. Trump, was a day none of us will ever forget. The leader of the Republican minority, Mitch McConnell, had asked for a delay to allow the defense time to prepare. To sports now, and with a look ahead to this weekend's football action and the romance of the FA Cup, here is the BBC's Rob Schofield. Only one Premier League fixture this weekend, and it's a postponed one. Aston Villa playing catch-up after a coronavirus outbreak at the club, taking on Newcastle, who are winless in nine in all competitions and tumbling down the table. Fourteen other top-flight clubs are in FA Cup action with the tie of the fourth round on Sunday as Manchester United take on an out-of-sorts Liverpool side at Old Trafford. Seven days after their last encounter, Jurgen Klopp's men are without a league win in five games. Under pressure, Chelsea boss Frank Lampard faces a home tie against second division Luton, while an entertaining contest beckons between Leicester City and championship high flyers Brentford. It's all about the potential upsets though in the FA Cup. I'm not sure it'll be Manchester City who get knocked out, although they face an unfamiliar trip to fourth-tier Cheltenham Town as Tottenham travel to Wickham. And in tonight's early FA Cup slash, Southampton have knocked out the cup holders' arsenal by a goal to nil. And that's the news from RTHK.
The ability to get closer to the skies, to the heavens, suggested by the Supremes, up the ladder to the roof, where it's a real good place to be chillin' on a Saturday night with cool tracks. See you. 